and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. All right, so this week we find ourselves, that's all I got announcement-wise, we find ourselves in week two of a series we've titled Faith Foundation, Faith Foundation. Last week, uh, we looked at Hebrews 11.1, where faith is assurance of things hoped for, right? It's confidence, it's evidence of things not seen. And we hear that and we say, amen, praise God. But we only understand it about 48%. What does that even really mean, right? So we took, we, we turned that verse into string cheese and just tried to pull it apart so we could digest it and, and, and really look at what, what are you, what are you saying? And I even kind of contributed my own definition of, of how I see faith and what I believe faith to be. And I defined it as a total trust in the providence and provision of God. And, and, So my faith is a total trust in the providence and provision of God, but I don't have to blindly trust the providence and provision of God. I've seen the providence and provision of God played out through Jesus. Amen. So we know what the providence and provision of God looks like when when we look at Jesus. We have a God who so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for you and me. And then we talked about how, you know, in, in Ephesians, it talks about how every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, we receive by faith in Jesus. So we talk about how that cross is the entryway to a life uh, in, in God, a full life in God, a life of more than you could ever ask or imagine. And, and we talked about how that faith is essential for my past, for my present, and for my future. So I'm excited to jump into week two. I'm expecting this word is going to edify your spirit. It's going to build your faith. So I want to share our key scripture, and then I'll pray, and, the, and then we'll jump into the word. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Leading up to this point, uh, Moses has led the people out of Egypt. They've been wandering in the wilderness. Fear, other things have kept them out of the land that God promised them. But it's time to inhabit the promise. Moses dies. Joshua has been appointed a leader. Uh, the Lord tells, or Joshua is told, be strong and courageous, young man. You're about to lead these people. So we find this moment in the fourth chapter of Joshua. Joshua is giving the Israelites as their new captain, as their new general, as their new leader. He's giving them instruction. They have to pass the Jordan River to step into their promised land. And he's preparing them to pass through this water. So let's open up the text again. Joshua chapter four says this. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord, your God. So we see Joshua, there's 12 tribes. The nation of Israel is essentially coming from a man named Israel. Jacob name changed to Israel after wrestling with the angel. He had 12 sons. Those 12 sons have turned into 12 tribes. This is the population of people. This is the nation of Israel. Okay, so you have your tribe of Benjamin, your tribe of, you you have the Levites. I'm not going to go through and try and name the 12. I didn't study that well this week, okay? But y'all see where I'm going. You name the 12 tribes, okay? So he he has the 12 and he takes one, one person from each of the 12 tribes. They're carrying the ark of God and the ark of God, it's this, Big gold box where the presence of God dwelt on earth 
for a time in the Old Testament. It was kept in the temple. It was, it was kept in the, in the tabernacles. And, and now the presence of God is with them. And, and, and you can't even get close to this thing. People have died from tripping and accidentally touching it. The glory is so strong on this thing as they carry the, the presence of God, essentially. And so he tells the people, say a, a mile, you know, stay half a mile back. But, but he says, as we cross through the Jordan, as we bring the ark, as you step in, the water's going to part. And when it does, he assigns 12 guys. When, when that water's parted, I want you to pick up stones from the middle of the Jordan. And I want you to carry them to the other side. Okay? So let's go back to the text. Just wanted to give you some content here, break it down for you. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in the front of the ark of the Lord your God, and each one of you pick up one stone, carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we will use these stones to build a memorial. So there's a reason Joshua wants these people to pick up these stones and lay them on the other side. What are they going to do? Build a what? Memorial. They're going to build a memorial. Why are they going to build a memorial? Well, let's read. In the future, he says, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Joshua is a leader. He understood that there's a generation coming behind us. He understood that we need to carry on the message of the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and the provision of God and the providence of God. We need something to, to signify that he's been faithful in the past and he will do it again. He will be faithful in the future. So I want to set something up to remember. I want to set something up for this generation coming behind us. I want to set something up for our kids. And then you can tell them, you can tell your kids, when they ask you, what are those stones for? You can tell them this. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord covenant went across. And these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. I was joking first service, made jokes about how my mom is kind of a hoarder and we, we have this family joke where she got these big, massive rocks and she loaded them in the car and we were moving and we could barely, the car, the back of the car was like, you know, just sitting down with the thing couldn't even roll. And we're like, come on, but we're, you know, she, she's, I, God bless her. But it's like, listen, if it's just because it's on sale, doesn't mean we got to buy it woman. Okay. Okay. So she has these rocks at home. We still, to this day, that was like 10 years, 10 years ago. We never did anything with them. We love, we lugged them all the way from Rhode Island. So, oh man. And I almost used them today for this illustration, but I couldn't give you the glory of uh, them actually getting utilized. So just pretend there's some rocks up here, 12 rocks up here. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. And then we'll jump into this word. Jesus, we love you so much. Um, I'm so grateful to pastor this church. I'm grateful for the people of this church. Um, Lord, I pray that you would till the soil of their heart right now. Make it fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. So as you're as your truth goes forth, it would take root in our heart and it would grow to produce fruit in our lives. I don't want people to come in here every week, God, just, just to listen and not do. Just to listen and, and not apply. We don't want to just hear your word. We want to do your word. We want to experience real transformation. If there's no application, we won't experience it, Lord. So I just, I just pray that you would empower us um, in, in only a way that you can. And Father, I pray that in this church, that there would be multiple families that begin fostering kids in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, last week, I already kind of touched on this, some of this stuff, but last week we talked about uh, how faith is essential, imperative for ourselves, for our past, our present, and our future. But as I've read the scriptures, I've been challenged that 
my faith isn't just imperative and essential for me, but it's also effective for the people around me. Where my faith has the ability to affect things in other people's lives. And, and as I go through the scriptures, you read story after story. Jesus looks up as the lame man's dropped in front of him. He looks up and because of their faith, he healed the man. Right? So don't tell me that our faith can't intercede, can't cause movement, can't can, can affect the lives of the people around us. And we define faith as a total trust in the provision and, and providence of God. So my trust in God can affect your life, can affect their life, right? Last week, we, we talked about, we don't have to blindly trust the providence and provision of God. We've seen it manifested through God sending his son to the world that he loved so much, right? That whoever would believe in him would have eternal life, but not perish. God has made effort to bring us to himself. So we know that God loves us. We know, we have a confident assurance that God cares for us. We've seen it in Jesus, right? We know that God is providing and protecting for his kids and we can live a life full of confidence, trust in God, full of confident reliance on our God because he is Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. The Lord will provide. He is a good father. Everyone say good father. Good father. God is a good father. We've seen it in his actions in his past. We've seen it in his actions in the present, and we will see it in his actions in the future. God is good. He can be trusted. He loves his kids, right? He loves us. He cares for us. Somebody just needs to hear that this morning. God loves you. You're dirty, broken, and sinful, but God loves you. I was listening to a message this week. I think we can clap about that. I was listening to a message this week. So good. Just, just brought some perspective. So I didn't come up with it myself. I heard it. I'm stealing it. But sometimes that's what preachers do. So I'm listening to him preach, and he's talking about Jesus' baptism when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, right? So he baptizes Jesus, lifts him out of the water. Spirit ascends on him like a dove. And then the father says, what? This is my son in whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't healed anybody. Jesus hadn't casted out any demons. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, right? No, it's because it was God's son that he loved him. And I want to tell you this. It's not what you've done about why God loves you. He loves you because he created you. Amen. So there's nothing you can do to earn that love. God loves you just the way you are. Put your faith in Jesus. Receive it. Amen. We're preaching before we're preaching this morning. He's a good father. He's a good father. He's a good father. Lord has prompted me, has stirred my spirit. Because honestly, personally, I think it's a little random kind of in our faith series, but still appropriate. But I felt prompted. But, but now it makes sense why he was prompting me. Because I didn't even think about this, but we ha we've had some parents lose their kids to college this week. Come on, I know that, that's ripped your hearts out for some moms and dads in here. Anyone lose their kids to college this week? Come on. I know there's some kids who came back from camp who are going to get baptized today who have put their faith in Jesus. Amen. I, I know we got some kids who are maybe going into middle school for the first time. And mom's about to have a panic attack, right? I, 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 st I, started, I started thinking about everything that's been going on this week. And I'm like, oh, this is why God, this is why God put this in my heart to, to, share, with our, to share with our body. I, I want to talk about this this morning. God's a good father. He loves his kid. And, and that's when I, I want to talk about the faith of a parent. The faith of a parent. Because God deeply cares about the way we shepherd the souls of our kids. As the pastor of this house, I, I want to make sure that our fathers and our mothers of this church, they understand your role as the priests of your home. 
And, and I want to make sure that the, the, the believers in this body are prepared to fight for the souls of their kids. Amen. We're, we're going to trust. We're going to have faith. A lot of that fighting, a lot of that fighting just looks like faith. But we know faith just doesn't sleep and doesn't move. Faith without action is dead. So come on, some of us need to rise up with a faith that's in our heart and we need to fight for our kids. Amen. Parents, the enemy knows that you've received the goodness of God. You've seen him be faithful in your life. Matter of fact, a lot of y'all touched the hot stove and you found out, you know what? That life's empty. That life's full of shame. That, that life misses purpose. That, that life left me empty. I'm serving Jesus. I'm serving God. I'm never going back. I'm never turning back. So if he can't get you, who will he attack? Your kids. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I need some parents to rise up with some faith in their heart, with the confidence assurance they have in Jesus that you didn't get me, and you're not getting my kids. You didn't get me, you're not getting my daughter. You didn't get me, you're not getting my son. We need some parents who are ready to battle in the faith. You tasted what the enemy had in past seasons, maybe. You know it left you empty. You know it led to shame and guilt. You know the things of the enemy bait us constantly with one goal in mind, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's done getting y'all because you got that faith. You're, you're secure. You know you've matured in the spirit. Amen. But there are some kids who are still maturing and they need the faith of a parent. Matter of fact, it is God's work in their life that he assigned you to be their mom and their dad. There's some parents in the room who chasing your flesh. You got lost in the wilderness for a season. But also got a room full of parents who know Jesus went into the wilderness too to take us out of it. And I know I got some parents who believe in this room. I know I got some parents who are fully devoted to following Jesus. And here's what I know. A home with parents who love the Lord is a home that the enemy needs to attack. Is a home that the enemy desires to attack is a, is a home that the enemy will attack. And if he can't get you, he's going to try and get your kids. And we can look at history. We, we, can, we can look at the historical text of the Bible, and we can see in Exodus that kings were killing kids. We can look in the first chapters of the New Testament and see that kings were killing kids. We can look at America today, and we can see that one million abortions are performed every year. And listen, one in every four women has had an abortion, and I'm not here to point fingers and to make you feel bad. There's grace for that, 100%. And I want you to know that, and you're welcome here. Before I point fingers at you and tell you, get your act right and get your mind right, and how could you, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, that's in the past. His, his grace is sufficient for our sins. We're moving forward in the Lord. Amen. Come on. So before I point fingers at you, I'm pointing fingers at me and saying, I need that same grace that any of y'all need. We all need that grace. The only reason I wanted to communicate that is to illustrate, to bring uh, validation that there is an attack on our kids before they're even out of the womb, y'all. I was blown away looking up statistics this week. Kids 12 through 18. Kids 12 through 18. Second leading cause of death is suicide. Don't tell me the enemy's not out to steal, kill, and destroy. One in four girls, one in six boys will be sexually abused before they're even 18 years old. 85% of males, 60% of females between the ages 
14 and 18 will be exposed to pornography. Nine out of 10, 90%. Almost everybody that finds himself wrestling with addiction, 90% of them started in their team. Don't tell me our kids aren't under attack. Don't tell me our kids aren't in a spiritual battle. There is an attack on our kids, and we need parents who are ready to rise up in the spirit. We need some parents who are strong in the Lord, ready to stand firm and fight for their kids and fight over their kids. Amen? Ephesians talks about, see, see but here's the deal. When, when I say fight, you can't just go punch the devil in the face. This is, this is a faith fight. How do you fight something you can't see? We know there's two realms. We've talked about it. There's the physical. I see you. You see me. We can interact. We can, we can touch stuff. There's substance. But there's also an, an overlap of a spiritual realm where angels are at work right now, carrying out the work of heaven. That is happening right now in the spirit. There are demons in the spiritual realm, and they possess people, and, and, and both of them interact. And both the physical realm is affected by the spiritual realm. That is real. That's, that's happening. And we see it in the book of Ephesians. Paul brings clarity. He says, listen, y'all are in a battle, but this is not a battle of flesh and blood. If you think it's between each other, it's not. It's, it's against evil principalities. It's against darkness and light. Let's read it. Ephesians 10, verse, verse, or Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says this, a final word. And he's just finished talking about the family. Just want to make note of that. But he says the final word, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil, against the schemes of the devil. Sometimes we, we start putzing around in church and we forget, y'all, we are in a battle, a spiritual war with a real enemy who wants to take you out. And if he can't get you, he wants to take out your kids. He wants to take out your family. He wants to take out your friends. He wants to take out your church to steal, kill, and destroy. We need some people who are willing to rise up in the spirit and fight with their faith. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. In our kids, some of us are familiar with the scheme. Some of us have had victory. Some of us have found freedom. Some of us have found knowledge of the schemes and are able to avoid them. We've, but some of our kids are wrapped up in those schemes. But we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. These are things we can't see. But this is what we're fighting against. In church, we have to understand that when we fight together, it's better. We're better together. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. It's not just every, every man for himself. It can be that way. But when we fight together, it's better. Some of y'all parents in the room, kids haven't been acting right. Kids been acting up. Been so frustrated with your kids. But can I just remind you, your kids don't need you frustrated with them. Our kids need us fighting for them. They don't need you frustrated with them. They need you fighting for them. Just like our youth are in a spiritual battle, or just like we're in a spiritual battle, our youth are in this spiritual battle. And in this season, 
They need the faith of a parent to intercede. Amen? They need a parent who is strong in the Lord. They need someone to come alongside them in this battle against the evil coming against them. So let's back to Ephesians 6, verse 13. I just wanted to read the rest of that verse. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after, after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of, or the, the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of what? Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent, mom and dad. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, I'm not going to take time to break down each one of these, the, you know, shoes of peace and the helmet of salvation. And, and that's a whole series within itself. And, you know, go read your Bible study notes, okay? And we'll, we'll talk about that later. The moral of the story is you need to be ready to fight. Every day, you need to be ready for battle. Every day. Paul explained it a little more elegant, elegantly than that, but I'm not as smart as him. I'll just wrap it up like that. I'll just summarize and paraphrase like, time to go to war. Time to go to war. The church needs some parents who are willing to lay hands on their kids and pray. Come on, and some of us aren't doing this because it feels awkward. My parents didn't do it with me. Uh, Pastor Macy does it with them. I don't know. No, no, no. You, you need to lay hands on your kids and pray. I don't care if it's awkward. I, I don't care if it's uncomfortable. I don't care if anybody didn't do it with you. You need to lay hands on your kids and pray. The church needs some parents who are willing to turn off the TV, turn off the news that's only making you anxious anyways. Turn off Netflix, which is only dissolving your brain. Anyways, we need to turn it off and sit on the couch and read our word and show our families what it looks like to prioritize the word of God. That's what we need the parents of this church to do. The church needs some parents who are going to stand in the kitchen and the potatoes aren't ready yet. So they get back to praising God like it's Sunday morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And they're like, what are you doing, mom? I'm praising God, baby girl, because he's been good. He's been faithful. I need some parents who are going to teach their kids how to worship God outside of a Sunday morning. Church needs some parents that are willing to ask tough questions. Made me so mad. I know there's kids in the room, but I come down the stairs, 15, 16 years old. My mom would be like, Micah, you having sex? I'm like, totally out of context, mom. I was having a good day. I was having a good day. Why did you do that? Why did you? But she was fighting. But she was fighting. And we need some parents who are willing to ask them, hey, you've been acting funny. What are you watching? Hey, I noticed you've been coming in a little later. Who have you been hanging out with? Who are your friends? This, is, this isn't us being nosy. This is us fighting. This is what it looks like to be a parent with faith. Your faith isn't just for you. Your faith is for others. Faith is full of action. This is what it looks like to fight for our kids. I don't care if they're uncomfortable. I don't care if it's awkward. We got eternity on the line here. 
Come on, we got a spiritual enemy who's attacking our kids. Your kid might be depressed and we don't even know it because we won't ask the right question. What's going on? How are you? How can I come around you? What do you need? We need a church that, that, that's going to prioritize gathering in the house of God. And you, and you go, oh, I don't want to go. I, hate it. I don't care, boy. You're getting in church. Yeah. Because the only reason some of y'all are in church today is because mom and dad fought for you. Right. Your kids, they don't understand their schemes, their strategies. The enemy is after them. I bet they don't want to go to church. You know why? Because this is where they're going to get free. This is where they're going to meet Jesus. This is where they're going to get filled with the Spirit. This is where they're going to praise God. I bet they don't want to go. Church needs some parents who are willing to teach their kids as they start picking out degrees, as they start looking ahead to the future, that life isn't a pursuit of money, that life isn't a pursuit of status, that life is much more than achievement, ladies and gentlemen, but life is solely about loving Jesus and loving his people. So you want to be a doctor? I love it. But the reason you have that desire and conviction to be a doctor is because Jesus heals people and you want to be like Jesus. Amen. You want to be a teacher? I love it. Go get that degree. Get that master's degree. Matter of fact, go get your doctorate. But the reason you're convicted to teach people and love kids is because Jesus taught people and love kids. Amen. We need to insert purpose into all of these things. Everything we do revolves around the name Jesus. And we need to teach them that life is not about what you can do and what you can achieve and how much you can make because it's all sand, baby. There's one thing that's the rock that will last forever. Church needs some parents who will take their kids to bed, sit next to their kids, and speak life over them. You know, the Proverbs teaches us that when we speak, we're building and destroying. There's power in our words. James talks about how our words are little sparks that can set forest fires. So we need some parents who will walk in and tuck their kids in and say, hey, I love the way God made you. Hey, your personality is incredible. I love the way God knit you together. You are God's masterpiece. You're his handiwork. Hey, the way you were with your siblings today, the way you gave up your toy, I love that. You're, you're generous. I, I, I love you. You're smart. You make me laugh. You got, you, got a, you got a great sense of humor because there's an enemy, guys, who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and if we're going to fight in the faith, we can fight with our words. We can build over our kids. We, we can build over our kids. Hey, you are smart. Hey, you are valuable. Hey, you are gifted. Hey, no, no, no. You're, you're not depressed. You're not anxious. I'm not, I'm not saying that those things aren't real, but I'm going to speak over you. You know what? Lord's going to fill you with joy. Your joy, and you bring joy to me. And you, and you bring peace to this house. We need some parents who are willing to speak life over their kids because our kids are being attacked, but their enemy can't be punched. Only your faith can win this fight. Your confident trust in the provision and providence of God needs to manifest over our kids. Amen? You know what our kids don't need? Our kids don't need homes with macho man dad who like to disrespect mom. Amen? Our homes need to see dads who are going to honor mom. You know, what our, you know what our kids don't need? A mom whose confidence is only found in the way uh, her physical appearance plays out. Because it's all sand. 
Our kids don't need parents who have to have alcohol to have a good time, right? Our kids need parents who are strong and mighty in the Lord. Our parents need kids who are, or our kids need parents who are strong and mighty in the Lord. And, and their kids get to experience the mighty power of God because mom and dad live it out outside of Sunday morning. And I don't want you guys leaving thinking, man, I'm going to care for God. Pastor Mark said, I got to be a better parent. I got to fight for my kids. I'm not perfect. And I know you're not. And I'm not either. And you will continue to mess up, and I will continue to mess up. But you know what I am exhorting you to have? It's effort. To make every effort. To make every effort. Listen, God knew what he was doing when he appointed you mom, when he appointed you dad. When he appointed you uncle, when he appointed you aunt, he knew. Grandpa, grandma, foster parent, whatever you might be, God knew it was you. When God wrote your story and put together the good things he had planned for you, mom and dad was mixed into that. And he will equip you for that. Right? But but I also think that there is a decision that needs to be made that we are going to step into that. And we are going to live that thing out. I, I really believe that it's not about perfection. It's, it's about effort. I, 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 think, I think the Lord, not, and this isn't for salvation. I'm not, I'm not talking about work yourself, getting saved. I'm saying living a life full of faith. It takes courage. It takes obedience. Right? It take, takes holiness. I, and I think God blesses our effort. There's just some parents in here who you've given up on the effort. All you need is to exert some effort to fight for your kids. And I believe God blesses our effort. This is, this is why the Apostle Paul told us, work willingly at whatever you do. Whatever. Everyone say whatever. Whatever you do. Work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Because your parenting can be worship. Your effort is worship. Whether that's cleaning toilets, that, whether that, that's raising up kids, whether that's teaching kids in a classroom, whatever that. Your effort is worship. Y'all, you want to worship the Lord? Give effort in everything you do. As a church, we need to catch the revelation that our faith has the ability to affect the circumstances and situations of the people around us, especially those in our own home. Don't tell me that our faith can't, can affect those around us. I remember I came home from the gym one morning and uh, came home, I think maybe like 6.30 in the morning or something like that. House is still totally quiet. That's about the only time my house is totally quiet nowadays. And uh, pray for me, dear Lord. And, and I came in and I just felt prompted. I was listening to worship music in my AirPods. I felt prompted to get out my word, sit at, sit at my kitchen table. And it, my Bible reading isn't always the spiritual, but this time it was spiritual. I just, I, I just kind of flipped open and ended up in Matthew 17 and start reading the story and I just really felt I just really felt like the, the Lord has something specific for me that morning. I don't know. So I start reading through the story and it's it's the story where Jesus comes down from his transfiguration with his disciples and there's a dad who has a kid who has seizures. And ironically enough, but it's not ironic enough because we know that our enemy still kills and destroys. He's having seizures, but they seem to happen most often when he's by bodies of water or fire. And that's when he falls. Don't tell me our enemy doesn't try to steal, kill and destroy. And he, and he brings the kid to the disciples, hears about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do, and brings him to the, the disciples, and they can't cast the demon out. So he brings them to Jesus. The dad is desperate. 
That's brings brings his kid to Jesus and says, "My kid, you know what? Let's just read the story. Matthew seventeen. Let's just read it." He wrote it a lot better than than I'll tell it. Right? Come on, the word of God bless anybody in this house. Matthew seventeen, verse fourteen. I hear Bibles flipping. That's a beautiful sound right there. While you guys catch up, I'll start reading. Verse 14. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures, suffers terribly, he falls often into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. But Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Then Jesus says, bring the boy here. And then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. And what the Lord revealed to me as I was reading through it, started, sat, sat at the table, started weeping. He said it was the faith of the father to get his kid to Jesus. And we need the faith of some fathers to get their kids to Jesus. So from that moment on, they can be well. I look, I, I look through the text, and, and you can see this all over the place. It, it, it's, it's the faith of others that affects those. I look in the, in, the, in the book of Exodus. I love this story. Where at the time, King Herodes, there's the nation of Israel. And, uh, you know, they're in captivity in Egypt. And, but they're multiplying like crazy. Israelites were passionate about each other, you know what I mean? And the, the new Pharaoh, um, it wasn't King Herod, sorry. New Pharaoh is, he's like, uh, um, or maybe it was King Herod. Now, now I'm tripping. Whatever, there's a, new, there's a new, I'll go back and read it. There's a new Pharaoh. And he's looking at how the nation of Israel is growing. And he goes, man, if they keep growing like this, they'll be able to wipe us Egyptians out. So, he takes birth control into his own hands and says, we're going to start killing all the baby boys, Hebrew baby boys. So there's a couple in the text, and they have this baby boy and this, and this mom. And you guys know this to be Moses. But this mom has her son, and uh, she doesn't want to kill him. She loves him. Parents who have experienced that, you know that the love. You know how your, your souls are almost sewed together in that moment. And uh, she's like, there's no way I'm, I'm killing this baby. No way I'm putting this baby in the river. There's no way I'm just going to throw this baby in the river, right? That's what he wanted him to do with, with the son. So she hit him for three months. You know, and I've gotten recently just a, a little taste of fatherhood. And uh, you've felt that passion that you have for the kids. I started to get a little, little taste of it. You know the Lord's in that. And um, a perfect example is I'm walking down the street, uh, taking, taking my two-year-old to the park, I think. And there's this house by me that has a dog on a chain. Um, it's just like a little peg that's in the ground and this, this chain. And there's this whole just mud ring from where the dog runs back and forth. And I'm, and I'm holding my two-year-old who could, you know, I'm, I'm sure this dog would love to make a fruit snack out of. And, uh, I'm thinking it's not long before the dog breaks off that chain and is running crazy and, and he's acting aggressive. 
But there was like this dad anger in me. I said, but I'd love to see that dog break off that chain. I'll break his neck. <laughs> now, Samson, Samson was ripping stuff in half. That's about to happen all over again. Seriously, I'm like, I dare, I dare you, dog. And some of y'all have been there. Some of y'all have been there. Aunts, uncles, moms, dads, you've been there. You, who's messing with you? Show me, show me. I'm about to beat up a six-year-old. Let's go. But it, it's passion. It's love. It's love that I want to provide for you. I want to protect for you. Nothing's going to I'm going to fight for you. And, and that's what we see. Moses' mom wasn't just hiding Moses. She was fighting. She, she noticed there was something special about this baby. She, matter of fact, Moses' mom, before it was even written in Ephesians, she understood that these babies are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus anew to do good things that God planned for them long in advance. Amen? So just like baby Mo, Moses was special, your kids are special. Amen? Your, your kids are called and anointed by God for good things that he planned long in advance. And, and they, uh, you know what, they really, uh, they're worthy of being fought for as well. So eventually Moses gets three years old. He's growing like a weed. He's crying. And they know they can't hide him anymore or else he really will die. So at a desperate act to just do one last ditch effort because if she keeps him here, she can't hide him. If she keeps him here, he really will. She sees the river and she, she puts together a basket and she makes it um, uh, uh, buoyant. It's a good word? All right. You know, she wraps it in tar so it'll float. Go there and make it easy. I don't know why I'm up here trying to be a scientist or something. <laughs> Come on, this is supposed to be emotional, y'all. Jeez, y'all, ruining it. So she takes the baby. And, 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 and you know, the, the text makes it so plain, but we have to think, man, she's probably weeping. Just like, God, I am. Gonna trust providence and provision. He gave me this baby. I love this baby, but it's gonna die for people. She puts him in, in the river, and, and, and then his little sister, or his older sister, is watching, and she's probably crying too. Like, Mommy, why are you doing this? Look at the text. It talks about it. Exodus two. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of pirate's reeds and waterproofed it with her tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket, laid him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen. Moses' mom wasn't hiding her baby. She wasn't throwing her baby out. She was fighting for her baby. Moses' dad was fighting for her baby. And the reason we know that to be true, because hundreds of years later, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 starts going through and writing all these giants in the faith. Come on, you got Abraham. You got Isaac. You got Enoch who just hit heaven back and just sucked right up, right? Some incredible faith stories of what God did 
or, 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 or what God did in them and through them, what was accomplished and completed in these people's lives by faith. Every story starts by faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so did this. And you wouldn't believe who ended up in here. It's at the end, but they're in there. Hebrews eleven twenty three. it was by faith. Everyone say by faith. Let's say it again, by faith. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. It was by faith. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Moses' mom understood my kids under attack. You guys need to understand yours are too. And our kids need moms and dads who are willing to fight for them. So really quick, I just want to revisit our scripture here, Joshua 4. Remember, they're passing through the ark. They got the ark of the covenant, walking it through. And this is, this is symbolic of we're taking you out of your old wandering. We're taking you out of the darkness and we're bringing you into light. We're taking you from the old and we're bringing you into the new. Does this sound familiar? Okay, okay. So Joshua, Joshua in Hebrew. Doesn't that, doesn't that name mean Jesus? Yeah, it does. It does. Something like that. Joshua means Jesus. Joshua saving his, saving his people from the wilderness. Carrying them through. Joshua tells the people, take, take 12 stones. Set them up as a memorial. Let's, let's read the scripture again together. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen. One from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord of your God. Each of you pick up a stone, carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. We will use these stones to build a memorial. And in the future, your children will ask, what do they mean? What do the stones mean? And then you can tell them, Those stones represent the faithfulness of God. Those stones represent how God brought us into the things he promised. Those stones represented how he parted the ocean, how he made way when there was no way. Those stones represent the providence and provision of God. He's setting up something so so, so the good news of what God does, what he has done, what he will do will be communicated from generation to generation. That's, what, that's why they set them up. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children will ask you, what do they mean? And then you can tell them, they remind us that there was a man named Jesus who left heaven to inhabit earth, to live a perfect life, to be beaten, to hang on a cross, to be a sacrificial lamb to take on the sin of the world that whosoever would put their faith in his sacrifice is sufficient for their sins, that they would receive eternal life, that he would be raised to life and glory. Sorry, I didn't say that. Went off script. The stones remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Joshua understood it is imperative that we take this message, that we communicate this message of his faithfulness from generation to generation. But here's what I love. And, and Peter, he writes this. We're, we're going to use stone, Joshua. We're going we're to use stones to, 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 to memorialize. But here's what Peter tells us in his letter, chapter 2. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He says he was rejected 
by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. But then he tells us, you are living stones. You are living stones. You are living stones. Could it be that you and I, mom and dad, right? All of us, that we are living stones with the spirit of God on the inside of us. That when our kids see us, when they hear us, when they interact with us, that we are memorializing a God, that we are memorializing the work of Christ, that the Spirit of God is at work within us, that our lives would testify to the faithfulness, the goodness, the provision of who He is, what He's done, what He's doing, and what He's going to do. You and I are living stones. We are telling a story, and we will memorialize the message of the good news that Jesus saves. It's our job. Joshua built a memorial with literal stones. We live out a memorial as living stones every day. There's literal stones and there's living stones. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.